This latest episode of Super Metal Brothers is actually dedicated to the memory of Don Dietrich, father of vocalist Luke Dietrich from the former band Aquaria Verum. He'll be sadly missed from his family and friends. May he rest in peace. Hello and welcome back to an all new installment of Super Metal Brothers here on the old podcast. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. And I tell you what, Dan, we had a massive, massive spoiler happen last night. The Super Metal Brothers were actually featured as a surprise guest on Andrew Hogue. Yeah, it was amazing. I was ready to go to bed and cry like my normal Tuesday night. And to get that call, man, to step up to the plate and to get subbed in at the last minute to help Andrew Hogue overcome his shyness and his demons and to give one hell of a show. Yeah, I was just happy not to like use any of my like really bad jokes for a change and have even worse jokes, I guess. (laughs) Oh, that was great. Then we can just blame him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But what we're here for, more importantly, is the news, the reviews of the latest album from Devin Townsend. He's come back on an onslaught. We've also got an editorial piece. Now, we're going to make this a regular thing where we go to the fans and ask them a question and just see what they think about it and we'll make it, uh, you know, give them a shout out. We have a humdinger tonight. We're going to question. A bit of controversy. Our metal nose, no... Knows controversy quite well. Yeah, it seems to be a lot more of it happening these days. A lot more people very opinionated. And this one here should uh, be a bit of a ring dinger. So let's take it off with the, with the news stories for today then. So the first up, we've actually got Slipknot. And uh, we've actually covered Slipknot quite a lot in the past. Mostly about what's happening with the you know, crowd in- interaction. But this one is more about Knotfest. And uh, the guys from Slipknot believe one in particular. The I think it was the... Uh, Joey, isn't it? No, no, yeah, I think it's Joey. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. Joey's come out and said that he's very, uh, pretty positive that uh, Knotfest will be coming to Australia. Now, just to give you a sample of how big Knotfest is, you've got Black Sabbath, uh, Legion, Sabaton, and of course, the Mighty Slipknot on this. Danny, with possibilities, rumors of obviously Legion coming back, and then we've had the possibility yeah, download, of man. download. Yeah. What's happening? Oh, no, whatever it is, is great. Something, something exciting is in the, in the air tonight. I, I can feel it. I don't know if you can feel it, man, but something's really great. And a bit more positivity in the uh, the Australian metal and live music scene. It, it does feel a little bit like they're teasing up for it. Like there's going to be a turnaround eventually because there is no uh, market now for alternative rock or metal as a festival. So it would just mean that one of these, whoever's brave enough first to come mm. in and save and rescue us all from our uh, yeah, media and frustrating lives of not being able to see like a whacken or something. Yeah, I mean, this would be this could be like going from maybe one year of sound wave to none year to now like three year. It's gonna be like overload, man. I don't. They, they be careful to saturate the market because it could end up just crashing and burning again if not too careful. It's like that a little bit. Obviously, we've I've got only a amount of money I can spend on festivals, but you know we can make it work, I guess. Yeah, maybe they should just call it the Legion Not Load Festival and just combine all three together and do one in each day. Ah, so that'd be that'd be a rate getting around and it could save us a bit of coin as well no I reckon they should do a battle royale so I'm talking wrestling what they did have the three like a representation of three of them put them in the gladiator ring give them a weapon of choice and uh, you know whoever survives we get to see their festival play it's a different type of kickstarting program (laughs) (laughs) Uh, one where it's been more entertaining before you get to see the bands as well oh they could do it I mean ways of increasing mortality rates among bands they could do like a video game thing you know have like a battlefield and battlefield one's coming out maybe 
they just get on there as a team and have like 60 players versus 60 teams, you know, from each. Uh... Yeah, you could do like one of those like funny Japanese game shows where like they try to tug a war against like a tractor and you can't see it and they just like, pull oh, you into a thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what... Like a Takeshi's Castle and whoever gets through it. Yeah, but they made some more metal ones. Like, you know, try to catch the um, guitar pick like in the crowd and yeah. tr- try to not get like urine on your feet when you're in cubicles. So. Yeah, let's go on to our yeah. next story. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, this is definitely metal, but uh, this comes from a guy who's actually more safer, I guess, in the jazz community. Everyone known him as Victor Wooten, bass player for the Bella Fleck and the Fleck Tones. This guy's a monster. Basically, think about the Chuck Shaldinas or the Dave Mustaines or even the Dimebag Daryls. Anyway, you think of the biggest name in metal, right? And, uh, you know, you obviously, something comes to mind, right? But in jazz, that's the Victor Wooten, right? And to see him come out of the jazz scene and to uh, attempt some incredibly progressive technical stuff is actually a bit of a, yeah, because obviously metal fans and jazz fans kind of like cross over anyway. So there's a bit of a victory for him, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess Gent is a form of like jazz, isn't it, with all the weird key signatures and all the offbeats and syncopation and stuff. So I guess that's fun type of experimental music. Well, I guess I would say that Meshuga, where Gent really fun, like fell from, really. Uh, yeah, you'd say guys like Frederick Th- Thornton and Dow are inspired by like guys like Alan Holdsworth. So yeah, it's just full circle, really, yeah. isn't it? Australia's own Virgil Donati. You know, he does a bit of jazz, a bit of hard rock, you know. And then he has his serious young insects and all of a sudden, or Planet X even. Planet X. And, uh, you know, but like uh, these guys, are, this this music is incredibly technical, so you wouldn't be showing it to, you know, your Bella and the Flecktone fans because they're going to look at you confused and like, what did you do to our artists? Did you like put them in your dungeon and like warp them or something? Uh, I, don't know. I mean, jazz is more underground than metal, so I don't show how these guys are going to be like, man, you sold out, you went metal, man. How could you sell out on us? Yeah, <laughs> you went from making $3 an hour to like $3.50 an hour. <laughs> Yeah, man, you've changed. You should be about the music, man. <laughs> Actually, speaking about making money in music, Iron Maiden's frontman and businessman Bruce Dickinson says making a business idea work involves the same philosophy, creative thinking as you would as writing a song. Any truth to that, Danny? Do you think like, yeah, so what you want to do is have a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, end. Is that the same as about making $17 million? Uh, if you're a civil engineer, the bridge part will work. If I'm that, <laughs> if I'm that like a song goes for three and a half minutes, normally businesses last more than three and a half minutes. So you yeah. kind of maybe like you know a progressive metal band could work a bit better, but that's where I can see how those two combine. I'd imagine like what I just said. So you have you know verse, chorus, verse, chorus, end. It'd be like a customer. So you have like product, customer, sale, product, customer, sale. Right. Sale, customer, end. <laughs> yeah, go to go to bed, sleep, so, wake up next day. But he's charging quite a lot of money for what I just said. And I just gave that away for free. So what's the deal? Well, there you go. I say you in a masterclass on how to get people to um, start a business. If anyone out there wants to know how to write a song with customer versus customer <laughs> sale end, let me know. <laughs> oh, the worst when they like do return and the receipt. Oh, that's when it gets really dark and depressing. You know? Oh, the, the, you know that's that's what's not in our philosophy. We don't take refunds. No, no refunds, no. and we don't do bridges either. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking about bridges, this is nothing to do with it, but I'm going to use it as a segue anyway. Uh, Spinwood Brewing Company and Rock Bottom Restaurant and Brewery have launched a Kickstarter. Now, those two names should be pretty much meaningless to you unless you live in the, uh, you know, in Europe somewhere very nice, which you actually have good festivals and uh, lovely taste in beer anyway. But anyway, they're trying to get a crowdfunding going for Pittsburgh Brutal Beer Festival. This is an idea which involves beer and involves metal. Danny, that's amazing. How can I thought of that? Because we don't enjoy that much beer, unfortunately. <laughs> no. but, and these guys, these guys really got a brilliant marketing. They've already used a pun in the heading because brutal isn't B R E W, as in brewing the beer tool. So oh. that, that, they've already they've already been a successful uh, festival. That's all you need is a clever name, and people will come along. 
It's true. If, if it was our like, business idea, it'd be like video games and music or sleeping cats or something. Like It just wouldn't be very profitable, but it'd be enjoyable. Hey, I'll, I'll enjoy myself. I'll go to that one. Yeah. But that should be good. I mean, you got a lot of these uh, metal bands and release out different beers and stuff. So, hey, good way to like, just cross it all together, man, and make one, one big marketing point. Yeah, then you have Flesh Gods, you know, wine there as well. Yes, for a sophisticated drinker. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we want to see this happen and we want to see these kind of ideas come to Australia as well. So, uh, if you guys want to chuck some bucks in there and be able to not enjoy it, but, you know, no like you donate to a charity you feel good afterwards yeah I mean most of these festivals here we really drink a lot of beer anyway so they're somewhat sponsored anyway speaking about things that have a bit of a bitter taste or afterwards Ooh, oh here al- we go alcohol yeah not this is this is definitely not alcohol but it did involve someone who used to drink a lot of it yes. X in Flames guitarist Jesper Stromblad has slammed his former bandmates and one in particular Andrews Fridden which is the vocalist of In Flames and still is now he said basically about vocalist Anders that um, the producer basically does a lot of the work and it's like polishing a turd. No reservations. Now, it used to be like between the three of them, apparently, when it came to songwriting, it was uh, Stromblad, the singer, Anders, and also the other guitarist at the time. So uh, there is no kind words. There is no chance of a In Flames reunion, which I think, to be honest, we would love to see after seeing the last couple of albums dropped by them. Yeah, maybe there's a good chance for Jeff Patel re-establish his importance to the band. I know he says he's happy he sinks, uh, leaving sick his ship, but he's just um, been kicked out of his other band or he's left his other band he formed because, again, of his uh, drinking issues. So. Yeah, it's a shame because he's obviously struggling struggling with some massive demons, but in saying that, God, he gets some great depressing songs out of it, you know? And much like what Devin Townsend went through, you know, with his old band where he just had so much anger and hatred and contempt for his fellow man that the songs would be reflecting of absolute awesomeness. Yeah, it's a good segue with uh, Devin Townsend. They may stay tuned a bit later for, um, uh, you know, some some stories. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot to talk about that album with Transcendence, but we're gonna keep talking news stories because now we're on a flyer. We're gonna wish Tommy Omi uh, the pleasantness of being uh, fully healthy at the moment. He's just come out of cancer right now, Danny. So that's quite good news. Yeah, it's good to hear. Unfortunately, one of his like close friends and ex bandmates and Div unfortunately lost his battle with cancer. So hey, whenever you hear someone who can um, get through that demon and through that the evil that is cancer come through, it's great. And especially someone Tony Omi, you know, he's given so much around and he's finally gonna finish with Black Sabbath soon. So it's good for him to actually enjoy our retirement so, yeah, yeah yeah i'd imagine with those guys it's working 365 days a year where it's just touring missing your loved ones playing great songs for yeah. super metal brothers in particular like when, we enjoyed paranoid and uh when they came with dio we especially enjoyed uh falling off the edge of the world that's true but with tony i guess like people normally miss you know their family members he misses his fingertips so oh same, that's same. right yeah poor guy but that's okay we're gonna keep going on with the stories and we're gonna go on to some politics now with uh, burton c bell from fear factory you know him best as the lead singer now, he's come out and slammed the presidential candidates. Uh, a bit of a thing going at the moment, we've, which covered it a few times, but this uh, one in particular with Burton, he sees Trump like P.T. Barnum. Barnum's some American politician that I don't really know. I don't really like these American references because I never get them, so I'm not too sure why I include it in the show. Yeah, yeah. But what's more important is that he's... Uh, pretty much outraged by you know trump as being a racist a bigoted a xenophobe and uh and people are buying it and then he said that uh, hillary clinton's no saint either so it's a like a fifth factory album it's a complete mess but uh brutal at the same time well yeah, good that he can now vocalize his opinions i mean all these guys are just coming up with great like lyrics but i guess the issue now is that everyone all these metal bands are gonna come out with like cds or something next year or two and all their lyrics and their, their song titles will be the exact same subject matter so i understand what they want to do they want to get themselves out there and maybe call 
caused a bit of controversy, get the name, a bit, a bit of promotion. But at the same time, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Run? Maybe you should run for it. Maybe you guys should get together as a group and see if you guys are a bit more brutal. Yeah, it's pretty much like they have no other option, really. Just get, get like, metal injection all these websites. They're like, look, we just need a story. What do you think about politics? And then, oh, I got something to say about politics. Like, well, Randy Savage is here. Yeah, I thought you were dead. Yeah, <laughs> but um, that's that, what happens. That, yeah, that's how powerful people's opinions about politics. They rise from the dead, get their opinion across about politics, and then you see them again about four year, more years' time. Yeah, we might cover a politic metal theme in the next couple of weeks, guys, but we're going to move on to another story with Paul Stanley from Kiss. Everyone knows who Paul Stanley is, right? But now he's claimed that uh, about musicians that because of a streaming site, it's incredibly hard for anyone to rule making money. And the only way for a band to succeed, Danny, is to do it the old-fashioned way. You put your thing under your arm, you go door knocking, and you let as many people know as possible. It's pretty much the tried and true method with any business and he basically says that it's no different. Something's never changed in the industry. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's probably good advice. I mean he's been around for so long, he's seen a lot of it. It's, it. You know, he's probably fair to take his advice. But then again, you could argue that oh, he's been around back then. He doesn't really understand what's new. Blah blah blah. But no, I tend to agree. There's so many bands out there that if you all just want to go on these like streaming websites, he's going to find you. You know, no one's going to see who you are, and you really need to get yourself out there and gig a lot. Yeah, he also warned about labels. He's seen a trend with big labels at the moment expecting a big return off their investment. By songs that basically need to get the majority of whatever that means in metal or people buying the album and listening to it so that's a bit interesting we covered that last week as well with another artist so it seems like it seems to be echoing a lot more now yeah these stream websites I remember seeing an article like it's with Spotify that a normal Spotify employee earns about 170000 a year so oh, a lot of money man and if you want to earn the same amount of money by selling a song on Spotify you have to sell was like something like 2 million copies of your song or something stupid 20 million copies it was like you're never gonna do it so it's just these websites they, they they sound they probably sound good and they tempt you in but at the same time unless you're like on the top top pop music just i don't know opera scenes where they are you're just not gonna get the foot traffic to get your um self bit of living out of it yeah good luck to anyone trying it though as uh, super metal brothers are definitely keen to see if anyone does break through with it we're gonna talk about a thing that a lot of people have been waiting for the latest two album now this thing has been in the works for almost as long as anyone could imagine it's just it's almost become its own like mystery, mystery, I guess. It's like, will it ever be solved? Justin Chancellor, the bass player, has admit that the album is cooking. Now, as far as teasers go, that could mean anything from like they've recorded it, they've written it, or they've sat down with one of their bottles of beer for the Barossa and uh, yeah, they're just having a chat about the album. Yeah, I mean, cooking is a new way to explain an album. It, it, it could be like, you know, something quick like two minute noodles, which two minute noodles is light. It takes longer than two minute noodles cook two minute noodles. But time you yeah. boil the water, you open a pack of songs. Maybe that's why, maybe they're trying to trick us, or maybe they're trying to cook like a slow roast. And to them, a, slow, a good slow roast, not like 30, 60 hours or 40 hours of cooking meat. Yeah, it's like, what's it, 15 years? Yeah, we all know about one thing we hate more than waiting for a tool album is probably tool fans because they obviously come with that air of pretentiousness, right? But what's more important about that is the waiting of it. So what they're doing now is they've already started listening to the album now because Tool, what have they done is they've actually said, yeah, it's cooking. So now Tool fans are starting to imagine how it's going to sound and all that. All those rock beats that go, jin, 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 jin. Dun, 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 like on the drums you know what I mean you've heard those yeah, songs nah, before me, yeah. and now all their fans get to start hearing this and playing it and as soon as they get the album they'll rate it obviously 10 out of 10 because they're Tool fans yeah that's right yeah but um, that's they—they they got it down to an art. They've done it for so long now. Surely they're just like ah. This this must be like the greatest like running start to anything ever. Like no, normally, <laughs> normally when you play these, you might wait six months, maybe a year max. But this has been an ongoing saga. I think these guys are just like having a laugh. They're like, yeah, yeah I'm a bit bored today. Like, yeah, I just was on social media. Yeah, the album's gonna be coming out soon. Yeah, why not? 
It's pretty much like when you play Daytona USA against someone and they had that rolling start, but they had the rolling start 60 laps in front of you and you're yeah. 61 laps left in the race and you're like, yeah, you're such a tool. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Like, it's like your record just keeps skipping and skipping and skipping. Oh, they stupid like gifts on like Facebook where that guy's trying to flip the pancake and he's there and it just doesn't, it doesn't flip the pancake. And you're like, oh. when are you going to flip the pancake and release your damn album, tool? Danny, I've got a little bit of hope for you. Now, I know you're wishing that the Nightwish singer Floor Janssen was available and yeah. there's a slight possibility now she's less available right. on the account of actually falling pregnant with the drummer from Sabaton. Really? What does pregnancy really mean, Matt? Really? Ah, uh, it's really? a logistic thing. It's like, oh, I'm full from eating and that. But you no, know, she could still have a dessert afterwards. Well, whoa. And there's a Daniel chocolate colored frappe right there waiting for her, I'd imagine. Yeah, why not? I mean, like here in Adelaide and she's like in Amsterdam. What is that? With the Netherlands? Leg- well, that's, that's nothing, isn't it? It's just, it's the same planet. That's something. That's, Logistics, you know? man. You know, it's only a 19 hour flight, you know? On the flight, she can write a song about how she feels to you. She can have the album then produced, mix and master at, you know, her favorite record label. Yeah. And so when she comes back, she'll be able to play that for you. I mean, 19 hour flight, I can do that sitting down, man. You know, I can do it without any hands. It's too easy, mate. Yeah, honestly, I can do it with my eyes closed, and I think yeah. I have a few times. <laughs> All right, to finish it off, guys, we're going to do a massive announcement to the guys at uh, Scar Symmetry. They've announced over this week two massive new members for their band. And these Ooh. guys are no run of the mill, you know, guys who just practice in their room, although they, they used to. These guys now have established themselves as big names and uh, good on them for I guess. Yeah, so um, one is uh, Benjamin Ellis from ex-guitarist uh, from Bloodshot Dawn, which is uh, very good for a guy from uh, England, which is a very good player. And Matthew actually knows a bit about him. Yeah, yeah. Hear. Benjamin Ellis is actually was uh, notorious for his absolutely incredible shredding and inspired enough by sheer coincidence from Scott Symmetry. Per Nielsen, he'd always say he's one of his favorite guitarists of all time. And good on for him. Now he's in his dream band. So it's basically like uh, a dream come true for him. He gets to play all the risks that he's been covering in his channel and could you imagine anything better and especially now they've also have ex-hypocrisy bass player Anders Holmer who's also no slouch and everyone knows about hypocrisy obviously they're on the back burner now which obviously Superman brother Matt's a bit sad about Aww. but to see obviously Sky Symmetry going strength to strength with like death metal juggernauts this might actually make a few people excited for the new album yeah why not so I'm always good to get a bit freshly talented and guess people who actually can bring something to the songwriting process so again but there's also makes controversy out people who have long time fans of a band got me happy when songs and structures and sounds change so anyone anyone that's heard Bloodshot Dawn will get a fresh sense that he can bring Scar Symmetry riffs because he was instilling it as well so he can bring those riffs to him so I guess fans get to have the possibility of enjoying new songs done a little bit fresh because he's a little bit younger and he has new ideas but he'll keep true to the sound and this Per Nielsen is still there the, the guitarist and you know, one of the original members of the band and he's still a big say in it so they'll be fine oh for good well, we look forward to um, I guess reviewing that album in the future Here's something I've been looking forward to, Danny. Our feature presentation. Now, we used to do the feature presentation as just an editorial piece. It's a particular news story that grabbed our fancy, but we've actually been throwing it to the fans. And we really like what they have to say. And again, our fans have really responded well to the uh, fan base question for this week. Oh, we really appreciate the fans' interaction and getting aboard and sharing their thoughts and feelings. And this it's a bit of a controversial one at the moment, especially in 2016. Unfortunately, everybody seems to be getting offended by everything. And, you know, I'm still offended I can't be a hair model. I'm like, just because I'm receding, it doesn't, I don't understand. I don't choose to recede and I, I, I want to be a hair model. Danny's had the hair shaming, but what we're going to do is called band name shaming. Ooh. In particular, are band names too offensive to the fact that they shouldn't be put on a bill? Whoa. 
obviously we have to think about Ouch. advertising companies and all that kind of stuff to uh, put as a marketable mm-hmm. and especially in metal where this isn't a really an unusual occurrence having names so offensive that people were like oh my god you can't say that yes but yeah. anyway let's continue with why we chose this story in particular now this all started when we were reading an article on Yahoo and a band called Black Pussy well well Matt that is most offensive thing I've heard, well, Matt, you can apologize right now. I'm about, to, I'm about to walk out. I'm about to walk out. You know? I will not. But what I'll do is continue oh. on with the story. Now, the lead singer from Black Pussy has told Yahoo Canada News that they were booked for a festival. But what happened was there was a three-day festival booked by a feminist group were actually harassing. They started to bully the venue because they didn't feel safe. And um, they basically claimed that what it was, was it was basically they were triggered to the point of saying that it's appropriation of cultures and stuff like that. What really happened is then they were, got, they were forced off the the, the shows. The, the the originators said, you know what, now we're getting rid of it. And they did it to a point where they actually cancelled the show entirely. They didn't just cancel the one band. They ended up cancelling, didn't they, Danny? Yeah, it's really odd because this, this feminist group decided to organise a three-day festival at the same at the same venue these um, Black Pussy were playing. But they weren't even like on the same day. It's kind of like, I guess it's a very popular venue. So you always have tons and tons of bands coming and going. So I guess maybe it's like the same week or a day after or a day before, whatever, that uh, Black Pussy was to play. This um, feminist group organized their festival. Which is fine. You can do it. Not a problem. But because the feminist group was so offended by the name Black Pussy, I don't know, they were so offended by that. They told the venue, yeah, owners, no, nah, we don't want that band to play for those reasons Matt said. So the venue ended up caving in. I think they, they said something about it, saying it's... Um, yeah, uh, the exchange was it was what it was called. Now, the funny thing was that the... Dustin Hill, the uh, vocalist from Back Pussy, actually said that there have been bands in the past with far more offensive names than they thought that gave, they had no problem playing bands like Goat Whore, Aborted, Rotting Christ, Dying Fetus, you know? Now, these bands obviously have a pretty radical name as well, but Mm. none of those were picked up, so they felt like this was, you know, a little unfair on their hand. Good news, though, for this story. The uh, band actually had other people and other agencies uh, uh, approach them, so when they heard that they were off the festival, they were picked up within seconds, and now the other, you know, the other ones uh, were folded or the other yeah but what man it worse like the, the exchange which is the um, venue they caved into this uh, group's demands and they kicked off um, the Black Pussy from playing at the venue but then that feminist group decided to cancel a whole three day festival even though they got their own way it's like what have you just done you've just like affected that venue and all your own fans plus the fans of one band just because you didn't like a name yeah and this was all name? raised up from the singer as well Justin Hill but what we wanted to do is find out what our fans think and then we can maybe chime in with what we have to think about that as well yes let's. so we our question to the fans was can you guys think of a offensive name that's so offensive that you wouldn't have on your bill and uh, and the winners would actually be you know presented on our show yes very nice now uh kaya elliott would imagine the band name donald trump would be pretty offensive yes i guess she's a bit of a uh, fear factory guy fan so um, <laughs> i was just gonna oh, say no, it. I stole it from you man <laughs> yeah I, I think she must be you know obviously bad politicians uh no one's no one's a big fan of it at the moment even when you haven't got an opinion on it like our friend gene simmons Ooh, yes. still don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. um but maddie burns is the band called Anal Kento Malento. Yeah. You can look it up. Now, he's wondering why they ever got a gig. Well, I guess, you know, with a name that creative, it's uh, it's endearing and almost pleasant to take. You know, just tell your friends. You say it really fast, it sounds French. Yeah. Et le cul. See? French. Et le cul. See? Even Ben Saunders agreed with Matt and added prostitute disfigurement to it. Now, uh, a little bit more creative and a little bit more diverse in how you approach 
you know, a murdering of one's favorite sex worker. Oh, but disfigurement could mean several things. It could just mean that you've disfigured her away from being a prostitute into an elegant lady. Ah, uh, see, that's what they thought. They actually see uh, it as an empowering thing. That's so. right. That's what I'm trying that's to say. That's why now. the exchange have them on because they see this as a way of embracing different cultures yeah. and different uh, job, you know, job descriptions. Yeah. Unfortunately, that didn't really work for me when I talked to the police, but, you know, it's, I thought it was still a good defense. Yeah. Ryan had a great meme that uh, you have to check off on our wall. It's basically like the guy jumping through all these lasers and stuff that you see in those rooms. It's like try- people, you know, not trying to offend people in 2016. And uh, again, yeah, that's the nah, way it is. That, that, that image was it was too easy. I mean, there was no like sharks and not filled with water and the walls weren't electrified and there weren't mines everywhere and there weren't like killer bees hovering around. So I think I think just that meme was a little bit, little bit too on the easy side, I think. Hannah Annette Graham actually just said, why don't they just named it after their black cat? Yeah. Oh, controversy. Yeah, I mean, bands do that. There was one band called Australian band Thirsty Merc. You named their band Thirsty Merc because they had a Mercedes which drank too much petrol. So yeah, why not? Black cat could just be... Have we gone cat. so far in society that we are offended by pets? Yeah, we are. I mean, I don't like cats as it is. I mean, it's just they're just they're not they're not they're not animals, people. They 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 walk in when they want. They could do what they want and they piss off. That's not an animal, man. They're kind of like passive-aggressive teenagers. Like yeah. when they really want something from you, they're the nicest creatures in the world. In fact, they almost could do you say you could feel feelings for them. Yeah. But generally, they're gonna like you know eat. They're gonna t- eat all your food. They're gonna raid all your alcohol, and then they're gonna see you for the next three days. And then when they come back, they're gonna demand that you treat them better than you treat you know. Yeah, the sociopaths. Cats are sociopaths, man. I think yeah, I think we've nailed it. Yeah, they it, are all mentally um switched off there. Yeah, I'd imagine that cats like running corporations everywhere and stuff, and they're just like getting guys to work seventeen hours of overtime and not paying them for it. Yeah, as long as they get their catnip, that's all they care about, man. Mitch Ramsey, to finish it off, actually said he thinks the name was fine. It's not a derogatory or offensive bad names as others. Like, think of it. Just think of a real offensive name, you know? Uh, but it can be open to interpretation. So, you know, it's another thing to make one feel uncomfortable, but it's another one to ex- express your ideas freely. And I guess that's where we're going to chime in, Danny. It is. I mean, this whole concept of freedom of speech is actually, um, it's funny because then what, what constitutes freedom of speech if people don't want to allow all speech to be heard? So I think this is actually always an interesting debate between me and Matt. It's like what constitutes freedom of speech and what is allowed and what isn't allowed? What I was more interested in is obviously in the middle, because we talked about this with Andrew Hogg last night. And yeah. we all, I said to Andrew Hogg, you know, tease him into the question. And he just said, is there even a, a name in metal that offends anymore? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it doesn't. I mean, people in metal are inside and they get in on the joke all the time no matter how sick and twisted or perverted it may be even when you read Cannibal Corpse's lyrics people know that it's a horror movie and what you're reading is just mm. an exaggeration but people on the outside don't get it they see it as a form of it you know literally like it could be sexist or racist or bigoted or whatever it might be because they don't get a context for it right so we're starting to see now a lot of people on the outside kind of throwing sticks and stones on the inside into metal communities what do you think though Danny is there a name so offensive that even you as a say you for example you owned a festival and you had to get a band is there a name that you couldn't uh, couldn't market yeah it, it, again it, it's really hard look i don't think the name is offensive i think it's if their lyrics are somewhat enlightening or discussion or nice commentary, I think you can forego a really bad name. The, the name is just, you know, a rose by any other name is still sweet. So if the band can like... Shakespeare. Oh, man, I'm switching it's on. It's not tonight. even metal. Man, it's not about, son. So it's like, appropriation of cultures, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. racist. As long as I say, that's right, yeah, boo. Boo Shakespeare. Get them out of our schools. We don't want Shakespeare. No, anyway, like, so I'm saying, if, if, if the message the bands are saying or what they're trying to incorporate is, is not one of just pure hate 
and bigotry, then I can accept having an off name. All right. It's just, how can it be that offensive that... You, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, maybe because I'm not creative enough to come up with a really offensive name, but how can you be that creative? And how Here we go. We're right. going to go and we're going to spot on the spot Danny make the most offensive name. And you know what? Here's my opinion on it right now. I don't care what the name is. I would market it. I don't care how many swear words you can fit in it or racial slurs or fat shaming or skinny shaming. I'm bold, so maybe you want a bold shame. Yeah. I would have it on my bill provided that the band could make money and sell tickets, right? Because like you said, at the end of the day, as long as the music's great, it's irrelevant, right? So mm. I'm thinking the youth of the adornment of Adolf Hitler with the nuking of Wales right. featuring the pedophiles that live across your street right. wearing fruit tingles. Yeah, but see, it's just too long. <laughs> <laughs> I switched off after the first, like, three words. Ah, that's not a band name, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I guess there probably is someone that's going to come out with something like that. That's pretty offensive. They probably shouldn't do it. But, it's again, at the same time, I, I feel like if they are just purposely doing it to be gross and all their lyrics are gross and they're rude, well, I have a feeling they'll just be weeded out and people will just be like, go away, we don't want that anymore. Metal doesn't care about nothing apart from if the music's good. Well, this is it, man. That, that, that's the big thing. I think that's probably the biggest part at the moment is that too many people from outside cultures are talking about how they feel other cultures are feeling. And you see a lot of these people from like other music genres who feel like they know metal culture, even if they've never been doing a gig, don't know anyone about metal, and they still believe like what Devil's like, a metal's devil worship music. They, they feel like they, they have the right to express opinion just because they have a keyboard. I have a feeling now what I've done is created a band of warriors and they're going to name their band Matt Marotti Beats Up Toddlers in His Spare Time. And that's yeah. just going to make go viral. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you call your band that, that's cool. Hey, this could be like a new drinking game. Come up with the most disgusting, most offensive like band name you can come with and you can win it, come up with it. You can win a prize maybe. Doing that, we, we don't want you to post on our wall really bad names. We're not going to give you a prize. I'm just saying you do it with your friends in your own time. How about Dan Marotti is attracted to male strippers? How about, yeah, but- how about Dan Marotti is attracted to Puffer Smurf in his slippers and yeah. he beats up toddlers? <laughs> I'm sure you'd be a toddler's man. Man, seriously. Are you a psychopath as well? Oh, you're a cat. Damn it. You look like a cat. I can't do this anymore. So we're going to jump to our feature presentation. But before we do that, guys, jump on our wall and feel free to keep going on this, uh, this argument. Uh, we don't really find that uh, many people are offended by names anymore in the metal community. But, you know, this isn't the last we've heard about bands or people being uh, forced off of shows and all that for just their association or with names or whatever. So keep keep it going, yeah. guys. And I'm, I'm extremely offended by the really poor quality pop music film clips out there. Oh, so my Some God. of those are just disgusting. And those lyrics are terrible. That's offensive. When, you, when you're English level of pop music is like was it grade three someone did that experiment and they found like pop music was the most basic of all English levels it's like yeah. what, four I, syllable word, like two syllable words max five word sentences I think it was like a grade two reading level yeah I topped that I was the latest song that I heard on Fresh today was a guy no a girl goes approaches a guy and the girl says so what are you driving and he's like a Bugatti and it repeats these four lines Ugh. repeat until the end of the song with a with a literally a snare and a double like a kick snare and a keyboard playing one note. Now that's offensive. A guy who wrote a song in 10 minutes making more money than I don't know, a guitarist who spent 14 years mastering his craft in a metal band just because he has an offensive name. Come on. That, oh, that's offensive. I was so triggered. I feel like having a safe space. I feel like going to the American <laughs> universities and asking, can I have a room with you guys? How many pillows have you guys got? <laughs> can I bring please, my cat? <laughs> please don't clap my courage because clapping triggers me as well. Just, just jazz hands. 
So let's talk about Devin Townsend's latest album, Transcendence. Now, before we get onto the review, I actually can do a little bit of talk about it, Danny. Transcendence is the first album of Devin Townsend, which isn't solely produced by the man himself. It features periphery member Adam Nolley Get Good as an additional producer and engineer. And by Devin Townsend's request, and this is quite unusual, the other musicians had input to the songs, the arrangements, and the production, which is actually greater than any other previous album from Devin Townsend. That must have been a bit strange uh, for you, Daniel, reading that, just being like, so what is actually just giving up those luxuries and that safe spot that he had on it and he's actually being I guess vulnerable and caring yeah well that is a pretty fair way what you just described that vulnerable caring is probably I guess a way to um, reflect what the album comes across what it tries to give off it's I think I think that's that's the thing that this whole album is kind of like him transcending to like a higher plateau of being you know not to get too like out there but it's definitely him trying to be um i don't know more more open rather than i guess with like strapping young lad he was more like self within angry and now he's trying to be more like social and with people maybe 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 this album hit 10th on the aria so it definitely is no stranger to making a difference in the uh, yeah. the market which is uh, fine but again devon townsend's a name now that people are notorious with you know the fans of Strapping Young Lad are going to buy this album. New fans, and especially our fans who grew up in the progressive rock area, are just going to love this. If you grew up in yeah. Rush or Yes or whatever, but we're getting a little far ahead of ourselves yeah, because more important, did we like the album? And I think that's what people came to hear. Uh, that's what I came to hear, man. Yeah. I came to hear it as well, Danny. So let's start off with the riffs in the album. Now, obviously, being a progressive metal album, yeah, sometimes more, I guess you can call it progressive rock. Metal is actually a bit uh, harder to find. Yeah. It's more so on the rock um, um, scheme of the spectrum or, or leaning of the um, spectrum there, yes. Yeah, at least that's with a bit of a paradox, Dan. I mean, for the Super Metal Brothers, we haven't reviewed a lot of metal lately. Yeah, but we're still super and we're still <laughs> brothers. So two out of three is still a pretty good effort. Yeah, until mum comes knocking on the door and saying, guys, I got something to tell you. I'm like, ah, crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, was I the milkman? And was he from the basketball? Nah, I'm not, I'm not that good oh, looking. I thought we'd be like Super Saiyan Brothers, man. I thought we'd be next uh, level. If only. If only. So let's talk about the riffs in the album, Danny. There are times when this obviously has a riffer roll album, but generally this is a ambience, romantic, almost dreamlike affair, really. It really is. I mean, like the, the riffs are just very just soft and smooth and just really drawn out. It's apart from again higher, like the track five, where you have like a really nice, pretty much middle to near the end of the album, it gets really you can almost call that metal. And maybe even track eight which i really like which is the um offer your light which is a bit more of like you know a, let's say power melodic death ish metal song i don't know how you pronounce that yeah um, you could even add uh, i would argue that it's almost like a drum and bass song in the cool. sense that it has a repeating tagline in the vocals which just goes through the whole entire song it has that drive from the, the drums it's not heavy in the sense yeah. that it's metal and the, nah. that kind of thing but it kind of feels like it's always pushing forward you know it's a dance song really yeah that no, pretty much is so i mean yeah so going from like any like money riffs you wouldn't say there's money riffs on the album there's no like hard hitting riffs that you just want to like, crank up the cd player but i guess to be fair the album is probably not that the album I would agree with everything you said until you take into consideration track five, which is the song called Higher. It is, let's put it this way, you can take Devin Townsend out of metal, but you're never going to take the metal out of Devin Townsend. And this track for me is whether he's paying homage to his fans or he just felt like really writing it or he gave the day to give it to the drummer to write a song. And he's like, well, I like metal, so I'm going to write this song. I believe Higher is actually a metal song. Uh, through and through and it really does a good job of almost teasing some of those old stuffing on lad riffs almost yeah I mean, that's fair to say uh, it's true it's just i guess i mean the rest of the song the, the riffs just 
more to there to create like an ambience and a feel and to really be an emotional like advice for the album it, it's he's not really using he's not he's not trying to sell headbanging riffs he's just trying to sell like i'm just it's like a state of being a same thing with this you really like listen to this album the, i mean the first song kicks in called truth and it's just very like uplifting and celestial and i mean they, the only words in it is of course hallelujah so you just it, it's just the whole album is it, it's, it's not really trying to be a riffy album it's just trying to be a trying to go take it to the next plane almost yeah. or maybe like he's going through those emotions and like it's always about coming to that because when the album starts and when it ends it's pretty much like the same kind of feeling where it's just like it's like full circle almost yeah in fact the track one I would argue even though apparently this is like a redone track I still think this track sets up the whole entire album a little bit what Dream Theater did with Metropolis Part 2 where there's riffs that go in other songs but it's like a, it basically sets up the tone for the album and gives you an idea of what you come to expect, and uh, it's a clever way. It yeah, I mean, well. I'll talk more about track one in production, I guess. But I yeah. think we should move on to our next uh, thing. So riff, riff wise, no, you're not going to get many riffs from this album, but you just get them. Um, I mean, they're nice riffs. They're nice melodic riffs, and he yeah, he writes if, well. If you're a fan of like Portnoy and Petrucci trading off around the mid t- t- table of Dream Theater, you know, just after they lost Derek Sherinian around that time, till about oh, I'd say passed away and Metropolis Part 3 you get that feeling with some of those like it's more transcendent and like, like the album says in Dreamy so yeah again let's move on to the vocals and like this is Devin Townsend so you know what Devin Townsend's like operatic soulful depth balls and also everything in between Danny I love Devin Townsend's tone I think it's a great tone he, he's very harsh himself he, I had a written in art article he got interviewed in and he's saying oh with me as in Devin I, I sing or I, I scream as much as I can and 80 or 60% of the time I might get a note or it might sound okay and he references like people like the the current rainbow singer that Ronnie Romero guy Ron Romero so that guy's a pure singer he's a true singer you really love that guy but I think look I think Devin's hard on himself I mean he's got a good range good control he's got a nice power he gets that, that raspiness in his voice which great depth to it yeah so here's the thing Stevie Wonder Stevie Wonder <laughs> hilarious Steve Vai chose him for a reason. Now, Steve Vai was taught from the same guy, I think it was from Frank... Uh, Zap. Yeah, Frank ah. Zapper. And uh, he got so good where he can start basically transcribing people's talking and speech patterns into music. So then he could give... Basically, what you just said, he would give to a pianist and then he could play that exact same thing with the phrasing and all. So that's what Steve Vai's like. And he chose Devin Townsend on an early age to be his singer. And for good reason. The guy can just do anything and has so much power and conviction to it. And around, and it's very romantic. Or this kind of These kind of themes I find mm. are much more appropriate to that part of his nature too. Yeah, I mean, like he, with the vocals, not just himself, but he's also got like a bit of a choir feel when he layers the vocals to give you that, like, again, the celestial, angelic type sound to his songs. It helps you emphasize the songs, emphasize the feel, which he does quite well. And he also has the um, female vocalist in there as well, which gives, again, another softer, great tone to her voice as well. I think there's mm. two of them. Great, great singing. So, again, it also adds another feeling to the songs. But I guess one of the funny things, if you listen to like the song Secret Science, which is track four, there's, there's not actually that much singing up to track four. From the female scene, there's nothing. And the first thing the female sings after like three and a half tracks of songs is, oh no. And then you don't hear it again for like until the end of the track. She's like, wait, did she actually didn't make a mistake in recording? And they just like left it in. <laughs> so yeah, that fits. Yeah. Knowing what his uh, sense of humor is like, Devin Townsend would have probably just ran with her. Like, hey, it works, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's what. And then after, the, and then near the end, I thought that track, she just like does a bit of gibberish 
genre singing. But it's just it's just a funny thing to say. The first thing she says is, oh, no. Yeah, generally, you're going to get a mix. You're going to get his soft and subtle kind of singing, like in track three, for example, where it's more of a ballad kind of thing. But he kind of brings it out for choruses and when he needs to kind of step it up to the next gear. But again, high, he touches on that kind of scream, almost attack. And then, of course, your favorite track, Danny, track eight, where he actually kind of just goes for it. And he's just kind of singing off the back of his throat and just yeah. powering forward, really. Yeah, that's great. And he mixes it up between himself and the uh, female singer. So the, the nice angelic tones of the female singer and his um, raspiness. It's a very good dichotomy there. So that's really great. But then like, you know, track nine, like From the Heart, where he's, I guess, kind of singing like a nice letter. He, I've written someone. He kind of really gets the emotions across there. And the words are quite quite sweet. So, yeah, no, he, he's just different now. I mean, like, yeah, Devin's really changing now. Yeah. yeah, the best thing about Devin, though, no matter what he's done, whenever he sings, he sings like he means it. Like nothing oh, yeah. ever comes across contrived for or just like trying to manipulate the listener to feel a certain way everything's organic and it's all very real and that's why it's so powerful not just his tone but his conviction so oh no like again if you just want to get a good sense of his vocals and I think this is probably one of our most commercially viable record not the most I think he's done stuff in the past which is even more clean than this but that's uh, a good idea yeah no definitely yeah go for it man yeah talking about the diversity of the album now which is probably the most important thing to think about when it comes to prog music because obviously it can just sound awash with that similar chord the similar feel but this album generally focuses around like tracks 2, 4, 7, 9 and 10 for me sound very similar in tone but when it breaks away from that is when this thing has you know it gives you enough to keep powering through the record rather than just kind of go okay yeah he's doing this oh there's your dream theater riff there's your porcupine tree and riff there's your you know yeah yeah. yeah i mean again the verse so you have a little bit of songs i mean i guess progressive nature means that the songs will change and have their own wave motion about them but sometimes i feel like he sits on riffs and it sits on the um beat and tempo of songs a bit too much and you got like long tracks and you got like nine and eight minute tracks and i've, I've just switched off sometimes because again maybe that's the point of the album is that he's trying to create a space for you to be like oh yeah and wander off but unfortunately sometimes those the diversity is not overly there in the songs for me yeah i find this album is pretty much like if you're a metalhead you're gonna like certain songs off of this album which mm. i did again i just found that when it was kind of going into that space of surrealism and this ethereal plane of like forgiveness and love and you know what everything's fine i'm like eh <laughs> yeah, it no, it's way. not. <laughs> yeah, it turns turn into like white noise, man. It's like yeah. those, those like getting massage. So you can play this in the background while you're getting massage because it's kind of that feel to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, you could be playing different chords, you could be playing different styles, or, or and I guess the saving grace sometimes is these grooves, but we'll go into that in a sec. It does, for the most part, for me, you know, rest on those dreamness like, and I love when it goes away from it, to be honest, because that shows me like when he's starting to really go for it and take something on. But, you know, it's just the way he guy is. He doesn't really care about anything, but just writing his stuff and whatever he feels like on the day yeah I mean the songs themselves again like he breaks up the different type of vocals to raise a way to get diversity in the drummer breaks up well with a couple of um, nice like rolls and hits etc so they, they do break up the songs by doing you know again, choir singing and a bit of layering and sometimes tempo changes sometimes songs would change and he'll make it a bit harder a bit softer etc but again yeah a lot of the songs the long songs, it just seems like they're just telling a story and it's a simple story of a guy walking down a path at times and nothing much really happens, you know? Yeah, it's okay. So, yeah, yeah, this album has the diversity, but again, for us, it's, yeah, you're going to find that you're going to love it, that kind of style or not, and just listen to any track off the album and you'll get a sense of whether you're going to like the rest of the album because it's pretty much, aside from track five and track eight, everything else is pretty much like, yeah. 
I mean, again, like a number song, you might have like 30 seconds, it might be heavier or something different, but you can't say that's diversity based on the ratio of the song. It's, it's like a bar, so you can't really go with diversity there. But changing it up as much as you want can do one thing, but unless you're feeling it, that's another. And the groove factor for this album, how does it make you feel, Danny, when you're listening to it? So would you say, even though it is an ethereal dream re- retreatism, if you want to call it that, and all that kind of colloquial nonsense that I keep oh, making yeah. up right now, I hope oh, that my Sid yeah. Metal fans don't follow this up on the source. Like, hey, they made up words. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Says that's very photosynthesis of you there, Matt. <laughs> I'm so obligated right now, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think the groove of this album is pretty much like, yeah, if you're like, here's the thing if you get into Rush or King Crimson or Yes or anything like that, I think this album is just a, as an easy buy for you because it's like, again, it's the same thing. It's just set up so you can listen to it and just put on any time of the day and just turn your brain off to it. And if that's what you like to do with your music, you just get a kick out of it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, groove, groove is not the word to use, of course, for this album. Groove is more like a Gojira or something like that. But yeah. it's definitely got feel. And it's definitely got emotion. And definitely, you know, it gets you like, look, not me, but you could see people could pay pay attention to songs and get well I mean I got lost in the songs I mean that's that's why I kept zoning because you just hear the songs and you yeah. hear the Tony's coming across and you just get that feeling and emotion you just zone out pretty much with him so I, I understand the feel is definitely there you know the, the nice words and the nice changes in the songs stuff like every now and then they'll change the tempo of the, of the, the instruments or the drums yeah you'll get that feel coming across and yeah they definitely do it well yeah what he's done the best is actually line himself up with musicians that kick ass the drumming is just phenomenal he does yeah. so much to make everything seem so interesting like Devin can play like a chord and literally it's just him downstroking you know on the note every time and the drummer is just moving around it with grace and energy and technicality your singers that you were saying before like one of them from The Gathering they just kick ass they're so good you know, it sounds like the chick from Nevermore, that Chrissy Rose, and that is not a bad thing at all. Um, again, it's it sounds like we're done with uh, soil work in the sense that sometimes it just feels like there's one keyboard in the ground, background the whole time, and it's just playing one note. But it adds so much to layering it, and without it being there, the album would just suck. Yeah, no, definitely. I think yeah, I mean he's a very clever songwriter, and he just shows again what well, his diversity as a musician, like going from where he's come to where he is now. It's it's very impressive to see how much someone can change and still um still write. Look, they're, they're, they're good songs, and you still have that feeling. To create that feeling, it's actually it's, it's quite decent. Yeah. yeah, I think this is the thing about it. Metalheads are gonna want to check it out to see if this is something that they can listen to just to zone out to because he is a clever songwriter his melodies are incredibly enigmatic and entertaining and and very like you can just kind of get rolled into it you know you're like yeah you know even if like when you're singing that, that love song you're kind of like thinking about it. I'm like oh you know I could sing that to a missus or my missus or I could like yeah you know I haven't told mum today you know what's going on you know and uh, that's what he does really well so turn your brain off and enjoy but if that's not you're out for a record this is going to be boring than a bat piss oh if you really want to groove as in like bang your head around jump around well unless yeah. unless you hear different things to I do when you listen to CD it's not for yeah you, if right? you're waiting for that Meshuggah album to like crush you under 20 tons of molten lava yeah this album's going to be like why and I'll just say listen to the song higher listen to actually maybe the first three minutes are higher and then just go ahead and go ahead and listen to your semi-combalment disgusting rotting fluid being ejaculated over a prostitute's face like Wait, that's talking about cannibal corpse not Meshuggah I don't say what's going on. Oh, just, you know, like, oh, just more brutality. Just, just a Friday night, is that what you're saying? More, yeah, yeah okay. the date night. Date <laughs> night. <laughs> 
So we're going to obviously move on from a groove because, again, it's pretty much like diversity and line of vocals. I think it's like you're going to love that feel or you're going to just turn off and like, this is boring. Yeah. You know? So we're going to talk about the production and like every Devon Townsend album that's ever been released ever pretty much. You can hear everything pretty pretty well. Oh, it's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly right. The, 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 every song is sounds so, they like, sound great. The, the, the When they go higher, when they go lower, when they decide to like use the blast for the drums or when they decide to put a choir in or whether it does, it, it's, it's it's correct. I mean, he he writes clever songs, and the way they produce it, all their songs with the, again the layering and the, of the, like the vocals and the different guitar lines and how the songs are structured, he does a great job with it. Yeah, the simplicity will almost be like if you're a musician, you're like, oh, that's what I would have done, or like, oh, that's so easy, I can do that, and then you'll go ahead and sit in front of your Sibelius program and then just beat yourself to death of why you can't even make three chords sound cool. Where this guy's making like you know just every section seem pretty 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 organic. So there's that, I guess. Yeah. The thing I found funny, like you talk about the track One to Truth, where you, um, yeah, it has that whole like uplifting, trying to set the tone for the song. I, I thought it'd be better to actually have it at the end, where you actually want to, you know, make, you know, you finish the album and at the end of it, you're like, that's your experience. You've just been like enlightened type feeling. So I thought it'd actually be more suited for like, the last song, right? I mean, the last song, the last three minutes is just like pretty much white noise and water washing or whatever that noise that is. So it's kind of like calm you down, or maybe you've, you've congratulated you've, you've passed the level and now you can just like enjoy your winnings. So I thought that true songs should be better maybe at the end yeah i can't figure out if the songs that don't kind of fit in with that dream night ethereal escapism whatever i don't know if like track five for example and track eight or you know i don't know if that's because he's like doing it to pay homage to his fans or he's doing it because he was incredibly angry that day and he still has that in him but um i don't think that makes it a bad album because he didn't have that as a context whatever but i don't think it really matters i think the end of the day the rest of the album it all sounds great to each other yep the keyboards are on there when he needs that soil work hold a single note sounds awesome when he does a guitar solo it's all there and uh it's all yeah it's all a nice little clean little package i guess yeah it's i mean being a bit selfish here or what i want to hear if, if you could just go a bit harder and heavier or f- more ferocious in some parts that'd be nice to break it up a bit but look again he's probably not what he was going for he had his idea and his concept of what he wanted the album to sound like and i guess that's what you yeah get. this album for me would have been topped over with more tracks like five where he add a little bit more dirt and grime and a little bit of that uh groove factor which he can do so effortlessly and easy again though you know i guess we can got strapping on lab for it and uh strapping on lab we do do so that that is definitely something that we're into. Yeah, no, look, it's a great album. Uh, yeah, if you, if you want that, like Matt's saying, the old like, progressive, true progressive rock sound you get from this, you know. So, Danny, will this be making your top 10 list or is this an album that kind of will fade into existence and we might return into it in 20 more years and realize that uh, we were wrong to doubt it? Uh, look, it will probably make the top 10 list for me this year. Uh, but again, you, you're also correct that I probably won't listen too much of it in the future. Yeah, look, when the songs are really good and when they're kind of got like, more metal inspired or even really the sad songs, so example, like track the third track for example you know when it breaks away from just being a nice enjoyable ride which i know you can do he does it for like most of the album but when it's not that is when i like it the most and i guess that's more of a pain when that suffering darkness and dread that comes with that uh type of writing which he you know he was in that place for a long time and it's still in him but uh i love to hear more of that so hopefully maybe the next album will be my album yeah don't purposely like make his life shit now man you like you like you you just Mm. harass and stalk him for the next two years have a drink boo have a drink boo (laughs) 
And it's going to go out some, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to drive past his house. And then eventually he's going to be like, man, that guy just pisses me off. Oh, I'm going to write a song about him. Where's my seven trick guitar? Yeah, look. So guys, if you want to buy this album, well, firstly, if you're a progressive rock fan, yeah, just buy it. Easy. Easy. If you're not, check out any track off of it, apart from track five and eight, because they're the ones that don't belong in the yeah. sense that, with that kind of continuousness. But track, but the higher for me is one of the best songs written this year. And I enjoyed that song so much that I would frequently revisit it. In fact, sometimes after the end of the song, because it's like nine minutes long, I'd go back to the start and just be like, oh, it, it is that good. So when the album's great, it's really great. But when it's not, uh, it's still going to be there for someone else. Yeah, no, definitely. So yeah, um, that's pretty much our thoughts on Devin Townsend. Uh, he's a clever guy and I'm glad he got rid of this color. Bag it, wrap it and tag it. That's been our review of Devin Townsend Transcendence. And with that, another podcast scene through right to the very end, Danny. Another big one. But I think the fans are going to like that we have so much crap to spend talking about stuff with. Oh, I sure hope so, Ken. Well, next week you're going to like it even more because we're going to return back to metal. I know I've been waiting for this. So we're going to return to Heaven Shall Burn. Yes, this album is heavier than your mum's knitting needles on... Um, I don't really know if that's heavy, but it's, yeah, damn it, I think it is heavy. Yeah, you get those like, really thick knitting needles when oh. they do like those big crochet jumper things. Yeah, yeah. man. And then she actually turns it and stabs it into the side of your neck and you're just like, oh, that's so brutal. And, yeah. and the butcher in a barbecue is a kebab, man, fucking brutal. Yeah. So great. Until next week, guys, I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Check us back here next week, and we hope to see you very, very soon. Take care, everyone.